All right. Good morning. How are you today? It's good to be with you all, and uh, I'm excited to be able to open up God's Word. If you're new to our church, my name is Jim, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it's just great to have you all uh, gathering with us as we declare the goodness of God uh, together. Uh, if you would like to, if you brought a physical Bible with you, um, I know that's not much a thing anymore, uh, as I wish it was, but John 15 is where we're going to be. Open your iPad, your phone. There's Bibles also in the back of your uh, chairs there as well. But we're going to be in John chapter 15 uh, this morning as we've been in a series called the, Fa the Followers Trail Guide, looking at the final teachings of Jesus with his disciples, really what is called his farewell discourse. And uh, we've been tracking along, and today we find ourselves towards the end of chapter 15 in the Gospel of John as we continue together. And just to get our mind going in the correct direction, um, I, I want to ask you a question and, and just let you think for a moment. Uh, when the last time you found yourself in a place or a situation where you stepped into a situa situation, it would have been super helpful. I mean, it would have been helpful for you if you would have known in advance what you were actually getting into. You ever been there? Or like when you stepped into something, you're like, man, if only I knew what I was really getting into, it would have been a whole lot more helpful. Uh, life would be a lot easier. Uh, I've told you <clears throat> one of the greatest things about my sabbatical, my time off a year and a half ago, was all the illustrations that came from it. And so, you know, it's, it's awesome just to think back and remember that time. And, and in, there was a situation like this, that it was my idea uh, for my family, as I've told you a number of times, just to travel out west in a Jeep Wrangler with five family members, and that's it. Um, and, uh, and tent camp the whole way, and, you know, I thought it was either going to, like, make or break our marriage, and it was, you know... And it seemed, in my mind, like it was a fantastic idea. Like, this is going to be incredible. And, uh, you know, it was, all in all. But, like, I remember setting out, and everything's great at the beginning, right? I mean, you're, you're excited, you're going. My car was loaded down with so much stuff. Every square inch of my car, the roof, the back, had so much stuff because we were going to live in my Wrangler for a month. And that sound out loud when I tell people that. They're like, are you insane? So in my mind, I thought it was going to be an adventure, it was going to be fun, which it was, and amazing. But I, I remember some of the first times we began to question, like, what in the world are we doing? I remember we were in the Badlands, and we were camping, and it's like 100 degrees out, and we only have a tent. And during the day, you have no, like, reprieve from uh, the heat. And I'm, a couple storms came in, and I remember one night we woke up, and the tent had three inches of water in it. And uh, uh, we had an air mattress, so we were good. And the girls were on cots, so they were above the water line as well. But all of our clothes were in water. And this is like the first, like, four days of our trip. And I remember Sarah looking at me like, you imbecile. <laughs> like, what did you get our family into? And all in all, now my family longs to go back and do it again. But I would have loved or it would have been great to know exactly what was coming when we got into it. Because, man, you, at first it felt like, felt like a great idea. It was going to be great. You just have open road before you. But then how many times, if you ask my wife, Sarah, how many times we had to either pack up or set up in the rain? It just happened that God wanted it to rain every day we packed. And um, that's just the way it went. Well, it's interesting. When you think about that, you could probably think of some of your own scenarios in your own life. But I often believe that maybe this is some of the ways that Christians believe about or think or would have been great if they would have known about the Christian faith. 
Because it's interesting when you hear about our faith, what we get ourselves into when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and step in to following Jesus. Man, you hear a lot of amazing things when you're given the gospel. I mean, even now, most of what you hear is super, super positive. And, and there's so many good things, right? I mean, when it comes to placing your faith in Jesus, we hear that it's an easy yoke and his burden is light. And you get the abundant life, and there's an adoption that, that happens to your part of the family of God now. You get your sins forgiven. Um, you get the riches of the grace of God. There's this eternal inheritance. There's resurrection, right, and, and immortality, and eternal life, and peace, and joy, and love, and all of these amazing, abundant, amazing things, right? Yes. Uh, it's a great place to say Amen. Yes, we have a ton of things in Christ, and all of these are promised in the good news of the gospel, but then there's more to the story. You see, Jesus was never one to mince words or manipulate humanity into a sales pitch to make them believe, man, this is going to be unbelievable. It wasn't always with Jesus, butterflies and rainbows. It wasn't always, come unto me and everything will be wonderful, right? Just a, a couple, or the next chapter in chapter 16, you hear Jesus say in verse 24 of chapter 16 of Matthew, it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Like, when's the last time, um, you know, we hear that in the gospel presentation? Because there's more to the story. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online, you're like, man, I didn't know I was signing up for uh, um, spiritual victory, but that victory came through me carrying the cross. Me, me, me dying to myself. And you see... Jesus at this point in the story is actually hours before his crucifixion at Calvary and he wanted his disciples know what to expect from the world so it would help them as he left, as they walked with their marching orders, what to expect. And he wanted them to know at the end of the day that they were going to face some sort of persecution. You know, it's, it's amazing what he had already shared. He had already in just this chapter shared how we are to abide in Christ and we have this beautiful, amazing relationship with God. Right? He's the vine and we're the branches and we are to abide in him. And he, he's talked about our relationship with one another or the disciples' relationship with one another. That they're called to love one another, believer to believer. And now, Jesus is transitioning to not talking about our relationship with the Father or our relationship with each other. Now, in this point in the text, Jesus is turning to talk about our relationship with the world. And, and what that will look like when he says, I want to read our text for today in John 15, starting in verse 18. He says, if, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, if, excuse me, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. 
But all these things they will do to you on my account, on account of my, of my name, excuse me, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had, done, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the world, excuse me, but the word that is written in the law must be justified, or fulfilled, excuse me. They hated me without cause. I want to ask you a question today as we dive into the word. What should you expect? What should I expect as um, we follow the way of Christ? Expect as we follow the way of Jesus? Should it just be, you know, an amazing time where everything's going to be great and everything's hunky-dory and you never experience any sort of um, trials or persecution or struggles with those around us we experience in the world? No, I, I want to show you uh, how Jesus was very open and he, he acknowledged it and he wanted his disciples to be prepared for what was coming against them. And the first thing we see in our text today is that the world hated Jesus, and it's going to hate you. You see, the haters persecute Jesus. Thank you, buddy. The haters persecute Jesus, and they will persecute you at the end of the day. That, that's what Jesus is saying. It's a pretty sobering reality when you look at the first part of the text. Um, honestly, if the conversation just started here in verse 18, you would be pretty, uh, you would probably be pretty overwhelmed. Like, oh my word, this is pretty overwhelming. Jesus is leaving and we're just up to persecution and we're just going to get hammered by the world and no one's going to love us. But you remember what Jesus already said to them. He's like, man, I want you to know that if you abide in me, you're going to experience love and joy. And I want you to love one another and you're going to enter into this beautiful thing called God's kingdom. And then now at the end, I want you to describe the way in which now you are to be known by your love with your brothers. This is the way that you're going to be known for my kingdom. At the same time, the kingdom of this world is going to be known by their hatred for you. Their hatred for you. Jesus actually says, by the world here. Now, I want you to know, we, we, we throw the, the term the world around a lot in Christianity. What is being talked about in this text means the organized system under Satan's dominion that is opposed to God and his rightful kingdom and him as the king, Jesus Christ. Everything you experience in the world is not the world coming against you. You get a flat tire on Jocelyn on the way to church, it's not Satan attacking you. It's just the reality of nails or flat tires or whatever, right? So what, what, what he's talking about here is the actual kingdom of uh, the, the organized system of Satan in the world that comes against believers. Now it manifests itself in human beings and people all the time, yes. A couple texts, John 17, just a couple chapters later, Jesus prays to the Father and says this about his disciples. They are not of the world just as I am not of this world. The disciples, you as a disciple of Jesus, are not of this world. We'll go a little bit further in that in a moment. Jesus is being interrogated by Pontius Pilate in chapter 18 of, of the gospel. Johnny says this, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to present, prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then. 
Pilate said. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. You see, there's, there's a contrast if you don't know, if you haven't seen it in Scripture, and you see it all over the place. There's a contrast between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven, and it's starkly different. And I'm, getting, I'm leading to some application for you as a believer, because at the end of the day, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, you should be starkly different in the kingdom of this world. Like, starkly different. And I'm not saying by, by necessarily just the clothes you wear to church on Sunday. Right? At the end of the day, it's, it's more than that. When you read the scriptures, man, the kingdom of this world is of death and the kingdom of God is of life. This kingdom is of darkness and the kingdom of, of heaven is of light. This kingdom is of love, or excuse me, the kingdom of heaven is of love and this kingdom is of hate. One is of the rule of Jesus, the Son of God, and one is under the rule of Satan, who is called in Ephesians the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience here on earth. So at the end of the day, Jesus is just saying, hey, because you're my followers, a servant is not greater than his master. Man, the reason why the disciples will be hated, and you can take yourself in there, the reason why you may be hated in this world is because... Once a person, you're here today and you're, you're trying to make that choice. Once a person chooses to be all in with Jesus, to follow Jesus, they no longer identify themselves with this world. If you're a follower of Jesus, the, the, the followers of Jesus, then they are now taking on, they've adopted, you should adopt the framework of the kingdom of God, the heart of the kingdom of God, the mind of the kingdom of God, the truth of the kingdom of God. It now trumps all reality of this kingdom. And the disciples now, as they're walking with Jesus, they're like, hey, now that you've stepped in and you've become a follower of me and you're a part of my kingdom, you're no longer a kingdom of this world. Because of that, man, you are aliens and strangers in this world. You're going to be hated because of it. Because my kingdom is so much different than this kingdom. Right? At the end of the day, Jesus is like, hey, the hate is primarily pointed at me, Jesus, but because you are with me and you're my disciples, they also hate you. You see, the sense of the language here in the text is not meant to leave it ambiguous. It's not meant to say like, you know, he's not saying if, right, at the beginning of our text. Do you remember what he said? He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. The sense in the text is not, man, if you get hated in this world, the sense of the text, what he's saying is, if the world hates you, he's saying, it will hate you. You're going to be hated. He's not saying, like, man, some of you might be hated, and some of you are just really cool, so people won't hate you. Like, if, if you're just a, a cool enough Christian, the world will have no problem with you. No, that's not the sense at all. The sense is when you are persecuted, when you are Hated. And I'll just be honest with you. Some in the room, maybe some joining online, you might be thinking right now, I don't know, Pastor. Most people don't really say they have any problems with Jesus. Right? Like, I don't know. I don't think most people are worshiping the devil in their homes. Like, they don't have a little shrine and they're not doing anything like, you know, devil worship in their home. No, that, that's, that's not exactly what I'm saying. You might be like, man, it doesn't seem like the world hates Jesus. And honestly, it doesn't seem like the world 
largely hates me. I think they're pretty okay with me. Most people might say, man, I'm good with Jesus. I like Jesus. I'm just not really following him in general, right? So the question might be is, why, excuse me, while there are a growing number of people in our culture that are outrightly opposed to Jesus, many would say that they're just indifferent, right? Like, sure, there's a bunch of people that are very opposed to Jesus, and the number is growing quickly in our culture. But there's also a number of people, a lot of people that are just indifferent to Jesus altogether. They're they're, they're not really for him and not really against him. But here's the deal. All the while, while people might be indifferent to Jesus, they are buying into the ideology and the belief system and the gospel of this kingdom. And long enough, you buy into the the ideology, the framework, the mindset, the gospel of this kingdom, you will naturally follow that kingdom. And they will naturally be in opposition to the kingdom of God. Sure, most people in your life might be like, man, I kind of like Jesus. Jesus is the greatest person to ever live. Jesus is a great prophet. Whatever they might think of Jesus, they like Jesus maybe or just indifferent to him. Most people don't actually know Jesus. Most of the world that you interact with think Jesus is love, and that's it. They forget to read, or no one really shares with them, at the end of the book, when Jesus is riding on a a white horse, and a sword, it says, is out of his mouth. Really what it's saying is his words of judgment for the world. We love the Jesus that brings us in and pats us on the back, but we're not really in love with the Jesus who comes in and flips over tables. At the end of the day, yes, a lot of the world is just indifferent to Jesus. But they're also following after the ideology, the framework, and the gospel of this kingdom. Just a couple chapters earlier in John chapter 12, Jesus quotes Isaiah and he says, He, God, has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. You see, God's judgment, even to the world around us, he gives us over to what we want most, right? If someone wants the most out of this world, has to offer, then they will end up hating the way of Jesus because it will get in the way of this world and what they want. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, if you haven't read any of his stuff, you're missing out. You need to read Diedrich Bonhoeffer unbelievable follower of Jesus. In 1937, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed at the end of, uh, end of the war in 1945 in a German concentration camp. Um, and he wrote this in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. This is what he wrote. Suffering is the badge of the true Christian. The disciple is not above his master. Luther, he's speaking of Martin Luther, reckoned suffering among the marks of the true church. Discipleship means allegiance to the suffering of Christ, and it is therefore not at all surpassing that Christians should be called upon to suffer. He's so right. But most of what we experience here in in where we do life is not a suffering for our faith. But I'll tell you, 
It seems like, at the end of the day, like I said, some of you in this room, maybe many of you are like, man, at the end of the day, it seems like most of the world is in opposition to Jesus. Well, I'll just tell you, just some of the headlines recently, a teacher is being suspended for giving a, a, a student a Bible. Football coaches are putting on leave because they're praying before football games. Firemen are, are getting uh, fired because they're self-publishing books, defending Christian faith. Marine court marshaled, or a marine a court marshaled for having a Bible verse on the wall above his desk. You'll be called a, a hater of women because you want to protect the life of the unborn. You might lose, or colleges are going to lose their accreditation because they refuse to uh, embrace uh, secular ideologies or whatever they might be. Intervarsity is being kicked off of campuses. The things that you are selling, or excuse me, the things that we celebrate are being condemned more and more, and the things that we condemn are being celebrated more and more. So if we want to say at the end of the day, we're not in opposition, there is an opposition. And it's growing every single day to the ways of Jesus. The difference will be is how we respond and walk, how we live in the ways that Jesus has called us to. Because there's an ever-growing, it seems like, intolerance for religion or belief in a culture that is supposed to pride itself on religious tolerance. Every single day. So, so I'll just ask you, so we can just think about it for a moment. How, how do we respond to that? What does it look like for you as a follower of Jesus, for me as a follower of Jesus, to respond I'll just be honest with you. I just want to get this off first. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. I see a lot of believers in Jesus freaking out, scrambling. Can I just tell you, this is your time. This is your time to shine. This is what Jesus said would come. The darker it gets, as I often say, the littlest bit of light will shine bright. The, the worse it gets, the better it is for us to express Jesus. So the first thing I say is just don't freak out. Don't be like, man, I, I don't know. I, the whole world seems to be burning to the ground and going in the opposite way, and we're losing ground, and we're doing all this different stuff. Man, I'll tell you, when it comes in the, the next month or so, and they start talking about global missions trip, Sign up and go see how God is flourishing and expanding and blowing up across the world. We see very myopically here in the United States and the way things are going. When you go to other places of the world, Jesus is going forth in major manifestations. But God has us here to do the work here. So, so what do we do? Well, man, first, I'll just press on all of us here for a moment. If the system of this world thinks you're fantastic, you might want to question whether you are actually following Jesus properly. If you are getting zero opposition, zero pushback in a kingdom that is in opposition to the kingdom of God, then you may want to do some self inward looking at your own life and heart to see how you're actually living. And I'm not just talking about, at the end of the day, we get hung up as followers of Jesus. Well, I didn't swear today, so I'm doing pretty well. I read my Bible today, so I'm doing pretty well. 
No, I'm talking about the ways in which Jesus calls us to live, to function, to operate. Man, if we start operating in the ways that Jesus calls us to operate, I promise you, you will start getting some opposition. You start standing up for what's right in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in, your, in the places you do life. You will get opposition. So the first thing might be just like, man, am I just, is my Christian faith ultimately at the end of the day just coming to church on Sunday and during the week I just kind of blend in like a chameleon? Man, your first thing today is to look inward and do some self-evaluation to say, man, why is it that most of my Christian life I've not got any opposition? It might be, it might be that God has not chosen you to have opposition in your life. That's great. But I'll promise you there's ways in which you and I are not living to the extent that Jesus is calling us to live. And we are but blending in and getting used to the kingdom of this world a lot. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, for we are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and amongst those who are, being, who, those who are perishing. To one a fragrance of death to death and to other a fragrance from life to life. You, here today, as a follower of Jesus, you are considered in scripture a foreigner, a stranger, an outsider, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Man, you ever been to a place that is not uh, outside of America? You stick out like a sore thumb, I promise you. I was just in South Africa in September, and when I go to South Africa, they know that I'm not from South Africa. I mean, any place I've been, I stick out like a sore thumb because, because that's not my culture, right? So you apply that to your life when you're called an alien, a stranger, a foreigner, an outsider. Your life, when you look at your life, do you look like, do you stick out like a sore thumb? Do you look like an outsider, a stranger, an alien, a foreigner? Or do you look like the kingdom of this world? And I'm not just saying by the way you dress. That actually is the lowest part. I'm talking about the way that you function, the way you love or you don't love, the way that you're generous or you're not generous, the way in which you share, the way you stand up for truth, the way that you, all of these things at the end of the day, the manual of following Jesus, if we're following it, we should be aliens and strangers. We should stick out a little bit. We should look a little weird. Some of us, we don't have to work hard. We naturally do anyways. But at the end of the day, I think for us, we need to do some evaluation of the way in which we function in this world. I'll promise you, if you are a radically generous person, you will stick out like a sore thumb in this world. If you radically love those who are in opposition to you, you will stick out like a sore thumb. I'll tell you, we got a few short weeks to an election time when it is mostly name-calling, bickering, hateful, what will we do as followers of Jesus? How will we respond as followers of Jesus? There's nowhere in the text, and I'm going to press on some people, there's nowhere in the text where Jesus calls us to be right the wrong way. There is nowhere in the Bible that says, I sacrifice my Christian beliefs in the way that I'm called to love people for the sake of some political opinion. 
No, man, when I interact in the way that Jesus calls me to, I will stick out like a sore thumb. Listen to what Jesus says in the way that we're called to live in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard it that you have heard that is said before, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Man, I just want to stop there. Amen. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray, though, pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same, really the lowest of the low? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Man, I'll tell you what our job is as followers of Jesus. Love, pray, serve, share, forgive. Love more, pray more, forgive more, share more. Walk with Jesus. Be what Jesus called us to, the royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of, of his people of his possession, proclaiming the excellencies, excuse me, I'm struggling today, of him who called us out of the darkness into marvelous light. When's the last time those who are persecuting your Christian beliefs, we didn't spout off to them, think something, say something, but we stopped and prayed for them. We loved them. Those people, that person at your workplace that believes the opposite of you and just grinds you up the wall. How could you even think like that? When was the last time you said, hey, man, can I pray for you? Is there a way I could pray for you? You know I'm a believer, Christian, and I know you're not, but, like, is there, is there anything I could do to, like, pray for you? Just see how they respond. And then if it bothers them, ask them the next day. Like, hey, I know I asked you. Like, when's the last time we just did life that way, that the way Jesus called? You'll stick out, I promise you. The question is, are we walking in that way? Well, it may be overwhelming. You might be thinking, like, Jim, that's a really overwhelming thought. Well, it is at the end of the day. What's beautiful is Jesus sends us a helper that promotes Jesus, and he'll help us too. Uh, look what it says in the text in verse 15, or 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And then verse six, uh, 1 of chapter 16. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things that when there comes, when the, their hour comes, you may remember that I told you. You see, Jesus, he, he's telling his disciples that, man, this is what you're going to experience in the world. Man, you're going to be hated on my behalf. There's going to be a day when people are going to come and they're going to kill you and they think they're actually offering service to God. Uh, hello, Paul. At the end of the day, he's like, man, I just want to encourage you. The helper's coming. Remember, we, we talked about this a number of weeks ago. The paraclete is the word, that he's our helper. He's our support. He, he's our counselor. He, he's our comforter. He's all these things to walk with us, the spirit of truth. And he's not only the spirit of truth, but he's the one in which he's going to empower us to, to, to live as witnesses, to speak boldly, to live for the gospel. 
You see, the Spirit of God is the one who's going to manifest the presence of God in the world, and he's the power with which anyone is going to open their mind. The beautiful thing about this is you can bicker all you want with someone about your belief system. I have never known anyone coming to Jesus over bickering. What I know theologically from the word of God is the only way people come to know Jesus is through the Holy Spirit, wooing them, calling them, and, and, and drawing them to himself. But he uses us as agents of change as we love people and share the word of God with them, the gospel. So, man, as, as things go sideways, I look at the world and I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Come with me. Walk with me. I need you to carry out the redemptive purposes you have to do through me because I can't do it on my own. So I say to you again, man, it may seem overwhelming, but let's not freak out. God has given us an amazing gift in the Holy Spirit to walk with us. It's not on you to do the work. It's not in your doing. It's through the Spirit of God moving in you, empowering you, and moving in the people around us. And Jesus talks about martyrdom here, Christians being killed. And it's amazing because this has actually been the reality from the very beginning, that people have lost their lives for the faith. It doesn't matter. Watching online, you're watching us today. Whatever you watch online, whatever pastor you watch or prophet, I don't care what their name is, and they tell you that you give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be great, well, tell them to read the Bible. Because from the beginning of time, people have been losing their lives for calling on the name of Jesus. We're not quite used to it here. But more and more, we're living in opposition and our response is to love, to pray, to serve, to share, to forgive, to walk with Jesus. You see, Jesus never minced words. He didn't soften his message to make it more palatable. He says, you have my love, you have my peace, my joy, abide with me. All these things, yes, love one another. And as you abide with me and love one another, you're going to be hated by a whole lot of people in doing so. Have a great day. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, man, I'm sending my helper, the one, if you remember just a few weeks ago, who is just like me. He's going to teach you. He's going to walk you with you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to be with you. And, and when he does, he's going to take you to the very end, and one day you're going to see me face to face, and that will be your great reward. I heard this really kind of cute story, and it reminds me of what we're talking about today. There's a little boy named Stevie who was quiet and shy. He moved to a new neighborhood, and one day he came uh, home from school and said, you know, Mom, Valentine's Day is coming, and I wanted to make a Valentine for everyone in my class. I want them to know that I love them. His mother's heart sank at the idea of her son making all those Valentines and then being heartbroken for possibly not getting many or any in return. She didn't think he'd get any because every afternoon she watched the kids come home from school laughing and hanging on to one another, except for Stevie, who always walked behind them. Stevie's mom didn't want to discourage him, so she purchased the glue and the paper and the crayons and watched for three weeks as Stevie made 35 Valentines. 
When the day finally came, he stacked the Valentines under his arm and ran out the door. His mom made some cookies so that when he came home, if he was discouraged, then he'd be ready, she'd be ready to cheer him up. That afternoon, she had the warm cookies and some milk on the table ready to go, and she went over to the window and started watching all the children walk home, and Valentine's tucked under their arms, and there was Stevie walking behind the crowd with empty arms. He was not carrying a single Valentine. When he came into the house, his mother said, How are you doing? Are you, go- are you going to be okay? I have some cookies and milk for you. Just sit down. But his face was all smiles. He wasn't upset at all. He couldn't sit down. He was so excited, he didn't even seem to notice the cookies or the milk. He just said, not a one. Not a single one. I didn't forget one. They all know that I love them. When I think about Jesus... He never got a valentine. He came to earth and not one, not a single one. I didn't forget one. They all know that I love them. And then he calls us as followers of Jesus to do the same. To enter into a place that he loved so much, but yet they murdered him because he loved them. And he calls us to enter into that same world that may hate us, persecute us, think differently of us. Thinking not one, not a single one. I want every one of them to know that you love them. No matter what happens, no matter what it looks like for me, no matter the cost, Jesus. Man, today, if you're here, you're watching online, and you've been doing really well, and you, you say, man, I, I do some self-evaluation, and Jim, actually, I've gotten into a little bit of a, a problem because I'm following Jesus. Man, I just want to encourage you to keep going, keep walking with the Lord. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. Man, if you're here and you're walking through a season of difficulty, one of the great gifts that Jesus gave us was the gift of community and relationships. And this is not it. This is part of the equation. Man, get into a group, walk with other believers so that, man, this should be the rally each week. It should be like, man, I leave this place every week. I go on into the world. It's either an amazing week where I kicked butt for Jesus and, and, man, someone came to Christ or, man, at least their eyes were opened or they had a conversation with me and I come in here and I celebrate before the Lord and be like, thank you, Jesus, you're my living hope. Or I come in here completely hunked over and being like, man, Lord, I was persecuted today, this last week because I was falling after you and the only hope I have is gathering here with my brothers and sisters in Christ and shouting from the top of my lungs, thank you, Jesus, for being my living hope because there's no hope out there. That's what this is. It's a gathering to go back out into the world for the cause of Christ. And it might be a really rough week. It might be a really good week. And this is just our rally cry as we gather together to go back out. Man, if you're doing it, keep it up. Keep following Jesus. The darker it gets, the brighter you shine. And if there's people in your like me, maybe you do some self-evaluation. As soon as you said something, they're like, man, I don't, pretty much everybody likes me. Well, then that's a problem. I'm not saying go offend people or try to get yourself in trouble. That's not what I'm saying. 
Live for Jesus. Follow the commands of Jesus wholeheartedly, and you will face opposition. We're going to end today as the band comes with a song, Living Hope You Know Well. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to pray over you. I don't know if we do this enough. As the band comes, I want, I want to pray for you specifically today. And, and today you might be, as every head's bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're online, you can throw a comment as well. We'd love to pray for you. But maybe you're here today and you're in a season where you are, you're facing some opposition and you're walking through some tough stuff. I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand and be like, man, I'm, I'm walking in that right now. I see you. I see you. Keep your hands raised. I just want to pray for you. You're just walking through that season. And you don't know if it's for a certain opposition, but God has so chosen that you would walk through that. I want to pray for your faithfulness in it. And secondly, I, I want to pray, man, maybe you're here today. Would you raise your hand and say, man, Jim, it just kind of hit me today that I don't know. Man, I, I blend in really well with the way of this world. Would, would you pray for me, Jim? I need to do some self-evaluation. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray over you. Yes, I see you. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability before the Lord. Yeah, I see you. Would you pray with me, everyone in this place? There's, there's a lot of hands that went up that are walking through some, some tough things. And so would you pray with me? Let's pray over them and pray for the Spirit of God to convict and press into us that we would walk in obedience to Him. Father God, we come to you today. God, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of hands that went up. God, I know about many of the stories in this room of people that are walking through seasons that you've allowed, you've chosen for them to walk through. God, would you encourage them today and help them to know that you sent the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth to walk with them, to guide them, to love them. And you have not left them. You're with them. You're walking with them. You see them today. As I look out and I see their hands raised, you see them today, God. And you've so chosen for their faith to be grown and expanded as they walk through this season. Give them peace and comfort. Help them to know you're with them and you love and care for them today. And God, as the many in this place raise their hand, that there are places in their life that they look exactly like the kingdom of this world, would you, as only you can do, Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus, press into their hearts and their minds, bring to light the places where they need to be different and follow your ways in more obedient manners. God, we can only do it through you as we already said. Holy Spirit, you're not just the one who seals us till the day of redemption. You're not just the one who teaches us the truth. You're the one who empowers us to walk in obedience. So would you do that, Lord? And Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, and they're like, after all of that, I don't know if I'm going to sign up for that, but I feel like that is the greatest hope that I have. Would you woo them and call them to go to the prayer room right after this, that they might be able to hear what the gospel is how they could walk with you. And if there's anyone in this room, God, would you bring them there that they need more prayer or time with you today? Thank you for being our living hope. We'd be lost without you. Because you live, we can live. Because you're alive, we can have hope in a broken and fallen world. In Jesus' name, amen.